0: News Power Hour. Well, it's a warm welcome to you. I'm Alec Hogg and uh, with my colleagues Justin Rowe, Roberts, Nadia Swart. And today you'll be hearing from our brand new colleague who's sitting opposite me, uh, Michael Apple. Michael, good to have you on the team. Thanks, Alex. And Michael's been busy with a story that you're going to be very interested in, I can assure you. How about this? A 1.4 million rand restaurant bill. He's dug into what it's about and uh, we'll be giving you and us some more information on that in a moment. But also coming up in the show tonight, I had a good chat with uh, Wayne Duvenage from Outer, that's to do with the driver's license debacle. It's a, been a very well-read story on business, although we've really only got back to BizNews today after our holidays. Uh, the driver's licenses, at the moment, South African Department of Transport has got one machine that prints driver's licenses, and that machine is broken, despite the fact that the Department of Transport were told it was um, – probably going to fall over. They were told that as far back ago as March. It did fall over in November. So if you're looking for a new driver's license, the reason why you haven't got one is because the machine is broken. But more than that, there is a, a, a deeper story to the whole driver's license debacle, which Wayne Duvenage has uh, discussed with us. We'll also be picking up later, Justin, with a couple of your interviews today. First of all, uh, the man himself, David Shapsey. What did you guys discuss?
1: I a good conversation with David Shapiro. It's been almost a month, Alec. Distance does make the heart grow funder. It was great to t- chat to Mr. Shapiro. He's been very active on Twitter. He hasn't had much of a holiday. I guess if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. We chat to a host of JSE stocks going into the new year. Shapiro has sorted out the Crystal Challenge with 75 participants. They've each chosen five stocks, and the most popular stock out of all of them was the Purple Group, which is a... A hundred percent gainer in the business portfolio in just six months.
0: Yeah, it's been incredible. Uh, and in fact, if you'd been at the business investment conference, uh, you would have bought it at eighty cents. As we do know, one of the guys there—he listened to Charles Savage, went outside, put fifty thousand rand into the shares at eighty cents. They're now sitting at what three fifteen.
1: 3 Rand, 15 cents, correct.
0: Well, a good winner. And uh, there's a lot of people who think that Purple is going to be another big winner in the year ahead. We're well, putting that one side. You also had a chat uh, to Treasury One about another big story of the moment, the Rand.
1: André Saliers, currency expert at Treasury One, he gives us insights into what was driving the rand over the festive season. The rand strengthened from around 16 rand at the latter end of 2021 to around the 15.50 mark. And André does expect some rand strength. However, with the budget speech in around a month's time, he is a little bit nervous that the data coming out of there might lead to some weakening in the months ahead.
0: And as mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking with Michael Apple about uh, that story of a restaurant bull of one4 four million rand. Hint, it's the best known person in Zimbabwe who footed the bill. Another hint, some of the champagne that was not really drunk but wasted, cost 10,000 rand a bottle. Extraordinary story, that's coming up just after the headlines. Right Rock believes that with every change in life comes opportunity and the markets aren't any different. The daily movement in the markets means change for us all, sometimes small, sometimes big. This daily market report is made just for you by Brightrock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. Well, that's the cue. As per always, for the news headlines, here's Nadia Swat.
2: President Sol Ramaphosa says the ruling ANC will push forward on the issue of land expropriation without compensation in 2022. Over the weekend, the ANC president said a lot more still needed to be done for the country to fully recover. Ramaphosa was addressing party members at the ANC's 110th anniversary celebration held at the Peter Makaba station in Polokwane, adding that the party needed to engage in a frank assessment of how far it is in meeting the core mandate. Ramaphosa said the party would continue redressing the issue of land and returning it to its rightful owners. The land reform process that we need to embark upon, he said, will promote economic development for the benefit of all. The ANC will implement its resolution on the expropriation of land without compensation, despite the refusal of other parties in Parliament. And mandatory vaccination policies have taken centre stage in the tertiary education sector, as thousands of pupils and staff at these institutions prepare for the start of the 2022 academic year. The University of Western Cape's Student Representative Council said anxiety among students was mounting as universities enforced mandatory vaccine policies ahead of the coming year. Several universities have adopted mandatory vaccine policies on campuses and among staff and students. However, some student leaders have opposed the decision, saying the policies will result in the exclusion of members of the university. And the Interim Board of State-Owned South African Airways says it intends to institute internal investigations and disciplinary processes with the aim of cleaning the company of all vestiges of its shameful past, as exposed in the Zondo Commission's report. The first part of the report was released last week and includes several findings on SAA. It recommends that a number of former high-ranking SAA officials be investigated for fraud and corruption during the tenure of the airline's ex-chairperson, Dudu Miani, between December 2012 and October 2017. The report found that Miani, a close ally of former President Jacob Zuma, sabotaged the airline from within via a mixture of negligence, incompetence and deliberate corrupt intent. Miani denies any wrongdoing. Justin, back to you for the Market Report.
1: Thanks, Nods. The JSE All Share Index was up at 74,100. In the currency markets, the rand was slightly stronger against all the major currencies to 15 rand, 64 cents to the dollar, 21 rand, 22 cents to the pound, and 17 rand, 70 cents to the euro. Gold is flat at $1,795 an ounce. A Kruger rand will put you back around 29,500 rand. Brent crude is trading at $82 a barrel. And the premier cryptocurrency will put you back 640,000 rand. In the financial news, retailer Steinoff says its US-based mattress firm has filed an application with regulators for a listing on the New York Stock Exchange. The number of shares to be offered in the price range for the offering have not yet been determined, the retailer said in a statement. Steinoff had announced in September mattress firm was considering various options. Its listing follows that of Steinoff's European discount retailer Pepco in 2021. Steinoff had raised around 17 billion Rand through Pepco's listing, most of which was used to reduce debt.
0: It's an interesting story, that, about Mattress Firm. And I don't think too many South Africans are aware that Mattress Firm, which is the biggest mattress uh, selling business or retailer in the United States, was started by a boy from Durban. So there's a big South African connection there. Uh, The Durbanites went over, they emigrated to the United States, I think to Texas, then built up this massive firm. Which was then sold on to Steinhoff. It was the biggest acquisition that Steinhoff made. Justin, what was the, the, the price? Somewhere over three and a half billion dollars.
1: The Mattress Firm story is extremely interesting, Alex. So the headquarters in Houston, Texas, as you mentioned, Stanoff bought them in 2016 for $3.8 billion, a premium of 120% to their market cap at the time. In 2016, they were subsequently delisted. The next five years have been a horror show for Mattress Firm. They've raked up a big debt burden. Lenders have had to bail them out. Stanoff have lost. They had 100% of the company. Now they only earn a fraction over 50%. And they are looking uh, to an IPO to raise capital.
0: Well, I suppose when you do translate it into foreign currency, as you mentioned earlier with Pepco Europe, uh, it can be a big number in South African terms. But um, shareholders should wait and see. Things, things have been better with Steinhoff recently, but it still doesn't mean that because Mattress Firm is going to be listed that suddenly uh, the company, those shares are going to be worth a heck of a lot more.
1: Exactly. I think the most interesting thing with Stanoff is it's becoming a big business again at a market value of 25 billion rand. It's the same size as a pick and pay or an AVI. If Stanoff can become a two-bagger from here, it's flirting with the JSE Top 40. A
0: two-bagger. In other words, if it can double from the current share price, it would recoup uh, some of those hefty losses that shareholders have been making and uh, punters have actually been going in and enjoying the ride up from where did it bottom? Just do you do you recall?
1: It bottomed at around eighty cents and it's currently trading at around five Rand forty, Alec.
0: Okay, well there we go. Just shows in every bit of muck there are some diamonds. The Daily Market Report was made just for you by rock the first ever needs matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. Well, Michael Apple is now on the Biz News team. Mike, good to have you on the team. My goodness, but you were busy with an interesting story today.
3: Yeah, that's right. Alec, I, I hit the ground running with the story coming out of Pretoria, a nightclub there. Um, Saturday night, an extraordinary amount of money is spent by reportedly one person. It's a story of extravagance, opulence, downright wastage. We're not even talking with anything to do with the ANC here. They are in no way involved in this at all. This has got to do with a man from our northern neighbor.
0: Yeah, it, the rumors that circulated to begin with, once the uh, toll slip was available, was this was the ANC having their celebratory party, but it had nothing to do with the 110th anniversary. Who is this fella from the north?
3: So he is born Punganai Passion Java. And uh, according to the internet, he is a bit of a uh, a profit a person who was able to so he's in the
0: religious game he's in the religious game game.
3: Mm. he's got a diverse portfolio let's put it that way he's in the ministry he has his own tv channel he has his own music label pj records and that's for passion java records so he makes well if we look at this this till slip this bill that came out for him to be able to pay it in one setting business is certainly (laughs) booming. how big was the bill Let me read it out in totality. So it's 1,374,945 Rand and one, uh, one waitress who is listed on the bill. I'll keep her name out of it, but. If that one person was to receive the 10% service fee, it would have been 125,000 Rand in one shot.
0: And there was a 10% service fee. There was a 10% service fee lobbed on. Yes. <laughs> Not yet. 125,000. I don't know if you did any waitressing in your younger days. I certainly did some barman duties. I did, duties.
2: but I never, I mean, almost, but never got quite that much. One shift.
0: Well, I, I, the best I got was a, a, a snooky Pookie or a slungsbuch.
2: <laughs> to have mm. to elaborate what that
0: is? <laughs> In Peter Maritzburg. What is a
2: Slangsburg, they got Alex? A
0: slangsbuch is red uh, muscadel and a snooky Pookie is a white muscadel, I think, or the other way around. Oh, well, there we go. But that's Peter okay, Maritzburg. I never got one of those. Mm. Yeah, not, <laughs> not, uh, not, not the most salubrious uh, location. Nothing like this, Michael. How do you spend a million, one and a quarter million, on one night's entertainment?
3: So what we've been able to do is, is stumble across, uh, across with the help of the, the business community, some, some videos of what actually went on that night. And you've heard of money or plans going up in smoke. What about it going down the drain? So from the visuals, it's clear that people were, how to put this delicately, being showered in some of the most exquisite, uh, most beautifully crafted, alcohol one can find on the planet. They were being showered, drenched in it from head to toe as if it was a shower. So like a
0: Formula One victory celebration.
3: Yes and it's always nice to drink other people's booze and spend other people's money and that's exactly what this appeared to be. The good prophet, the man of the cloth, he was fitting the bill for somebody's birthday party and everybody was there to lap it up.
0: Yeah, uh, figuratively as well as uh, as, as literally. Uh, Justin, this is a big story uh, that kind of makes you stop and think uh, that that some businesses, what would you call it, a bit of excess profits perhaps that are being achieved?
1: I love the story, Alec. It makes me feel good about my own December booze ball. No, all, in all seriousness, um, we've been crying out for hospitality companies. Um, it's been a tough time for them. So I'm going to take a little bit of a contrarian stance here. I do think although it was concentrated to one restaurant, it would have been nicer for those profits to have seen 15 or 16 different restaurants. The fact that um, people are spending money and going out there, I think is good for the economy. Um, But the story, I mean, the behavior is a little bit ridiculous. I do tend to agree. Take us through the bill.
0: What did they spend it on?
3: So it was on 100 bottles, if you can believe that. 100 bottles. Um, of Ace of Spades Rosé, um, better known as Armando de Brinac, uh, which uh, equates to about 600 glasses of champagne. And if you look at the visuals, it's just poured onto the floor. It, it does break your heart. And what uh, does
0: it cost per bottle?
3: Uh, that is several thousand rand per bottle. I think it, it's, it's upwards of six and a half to seven thousand rand per bottle. Uh, then there was 50 bottles of uh, Verve uh, Clico Riche. Um, And that's about 300 glasses of champagne that went down the tube there, 20 bottles of Dom Perignon. Uh, So what really stands out is somebody on social media who said, can you believe that they're charging 25 bucks for 300 mils of Coke? And that was the complaint.
0: (laughs) 25 bucks for a Coca-Cola. Well, compared with the thousands that were spent on the champagne. But, But who is this guy? Can you tell us more about him?
3: So he comes from an MDC, the Movement for Democratic Change in Zimbabwe. He comes from an MDC-aligned family, initially. It would appear that his fortunes have changed as the leadership within um, Zimbabwe has changed. And uh, according to two records on the Internet, it appears that he is uh, siding with Pre- President Emerson Mnangagwa looking towards the 2023 elections in that country. Uh, so he is, according to Zimbabwe Voice, named as one of the most influential Zimbabweans, not one of the most. He is absolutely top of the list of 100 influential people in Zimbabwe. So if you were looking to uh, expand your political reach within that country using somebody who's got... Uh, half a million followers on Instagram and social media presence. He would be a good man to to stay friends with. And that's exactly what President Manangagwa has done. It seems he's within that Zanu PF fold, breaking with his sort of earlier childhood roots of being close to the MDC.
0: Has he been trying to cover his tracks at all? Is there any attempt by them to get you off the story?
3: So when you phone uh, 012 or 012 Lifestyle Brooklyn, which is the uh, establishment, the restaurant slash nightclub uh, where this took place, it appeared that they knew what I was calling about, but wouldn't put me through to the, the general manager. Uh, so there was some attempt to block this. But as Justin rightly points out, if you're getting this sort of income from these... Uh, Top down, amoral. It's a completely immoral to spend this sort of money. But if you're the if you're the establishment, you are licking your lips at this sort of mm. thing. If you can get one of these events happening a week, you are looking pretty. Especially in light of the COVID booze ban. I mean, you have a lot of room to 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 make up here. So they are. They did say to me that they're not at liberty to discuss any of their patrons or their bills. So it's clear. And the man in question. Uh, mr java passion java he did post the the bill in question on his social media account
4: today is monday january 10th and this is your ft news briefing U.S. officials sit down with Russian diplomats today for high-stakes talks, voters in Portugal are fed up with corruption, and British regulators are taking a closer look at cloud companies. Plus, the FT's Leo Lewis says investors are excited about the metaverse, and not just the software developers, but hardware makers too.
5: There's a lot of hope attached to the idea that Apple might come up with a pair of goggles that do for VR headsets, what Apple did back in the mid-2000s for smartphones.
4: I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need. Today, U.S. officials are set to meet with Russian diplomats in Geneva. It's the first of several meetings to address military tensions on the border with Ukraine. There aren't high expectations that the two sides will come to an agreement, though. Russia now has about 100,000 troops amassed on Ukraine's eastern border, and it's threatened military action if the U.S. and NATO ignore Moscow's demands for new defense agreements. One of those demands would reduce U.S. and NATO capabilities in former communist countries. U.S. and European officials will Counter with their own demands. Yesterday NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said NATO was prepared for quote a new armed conflict in Europe should negotiations fail. Voters in Portugal head to the polls later this month, and white-collar crime is a hot-button issue. There's been a series of corruption scandals in recent years involving judges, top bankers, football club executives, and most famously, former Prime Minister José Socrates. Most of the charges against him were thrown out because of time limits and lack of evidence. Voter frustration isn't just with the scandals, but more with the broader legal system. Here's our Lisbon correspondent, Peter Wise.
6: So I think there is a general awareness in Portugal among the political class, but also amongst the public itself, that Portugal is not dealing effectively with the crime of corruption in its courts, in its investigations, and particularly is not justice has to be done in reasonable time for it to be seen to be effective. And that, I think, in the minds of the wide public in portugal that's just not happening at the moment
4: peter says parliament did approve a set of anti-corruption reforms last month
6: but experts in the field of dealing with corruption feel that they are focusing too much on the laws rather than on if having effective institutions to deal with it the effectiveness of the police of the courts so they find that their independence and their ability to act swiftly and efficiently is sometimes curtailed and hemmed in by a lack of resources.
4: This public discontent hasn't been ignored completely. Peter says it's being harnessed by a right-wing party called Shega. Uh,
6: beginning the debates, there are going to be 20 or more debates on television between the leaders of, of different parties. And I think um, one of the smaller parties, which is known as Shega, which is a, a right-wing populist party, Its name means enough in Portuguese. And um, they are focusing a lot on this issue of corruption. They sense a public discontent. So, Chega, which in the previous election only elected one deputy, is now hoping to become the third largest party in Portugal. And that would give it a considerable weight in the sense that most elections in Portugal, and this one coming up in January, is unlikely to produce. A majority an overall majority for a single party so the third largest party could have considerable influence over the formations of coalitions or agreements on supporting a a minority government
4: peter wise is the ft's portugal correspondent uk financial regulators are preparing to step up scrutiny of cloud computing providers This comes amid growing fears that an outage or hack could severely disrupt the banking system, which is increasingly reliant on cloud services. Sources tell the FT that the UK's Prudential Regulation Authority wants to see more data from big providers like Amazon and Google and Microsoft. UK banks have struck deals with these three companies. They see the cloud as a way to reduce IT costs, overhaul old infrastructure, and also detect financial crime. So if you're not already spending good chunks of your day in the metaverse, it's probably because it hasn't been built yet. There aren't many good headsets or sensors, for example, but companies are working on it. And the FT's Leo Lewis says investors are really excited about the companies making what are called the picks and shovels of the metaverse.
5: We happen to focus a lot of the piece on Asian companies, Taiwan. Uh, Korea, Japan, China, simply because we know that those are already companies that are producing a lot of the tech hardware at the sort of component level, some at the very, very high end, some at the mass produced end. So they're saying to us, look, imagine that you're back in the year 2000 and the internet is on its way up and it's all getting very exciting. And The best way of buying the internet story at the time was perhaps not through the companies that have ended up very enormous, like Facebook and Google and so on, but but through the the company's building the servers and the, uh, the the picks and shovels, as they call them, and uh, and and that's very much the feeling now that there's a lot of investable universe where you can buy, as it were, the infrastructure for the metaverse at this point, while everyone's working out who's going to be the winners and losers amongst the the big kind of software and platform providers.
4: So, Leo, are you excited about the metaverse?
5: I am very excited. I, I do think this, I mean, I'm not excited as an investor, obviously, but excited as a as a user, because I think that some of the things that we've seen and some of the worlds that they would like to introduce consumers to are very, very intriguing and very enticing, really. I, I, I mean, I'm somebody that has grown up with video games and see games very much as the entry point to a lot of technology. Do I want to be playing games In these virtual worlds? Yes, absolutely, I do. Am I waiting and have I been waiting for the hardware to be just right? Absolutely. And, you know, I'm very much hoping, along with a great number of other people, but big games fans, that there will something will come along. There's a lot of hope attached to the idea that Apple uh, might come up with a pair of goggles that do for VR headsets or that kind of technology. What Apple did back in the mid 2000s for smartphones, i.e., you know, sort of creating a whole new market that's sort of based on one knockout brilliant product. And I'm, you know, as a potential user, I'm, I'm part of the excitement.
4: You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news.
1: I'm Joshua Roberts of Biz News, and with me is Sassfin Securities David Shapiro. David, we all saw you tweeting away during the festive period. <laughs> I guess do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. There's a host of interesting developments since we last spoke. Many of the same issues remain, that is inflation, supply chain problems, and labor mm. disruptions. There seems to be a lot of uncertainty. What's your mm. general take on sentiment in the market at the moment?
7: I, I think it's going to be tough. And for no other reason, I'm not, when I say I'm not negative, I just think we're just going to have to work through the short term news. And there is confusion. You know, investors are uncertain and confused about what the Fed is going to, you know, going to do. Because when the Fed minutes came out last week, there was a suggestion. If I'm, if I'm slurring, I went to the dentist. So it's not because I've been drinking. So I apologize <laughs> in advance. But, um, You know, when the Fed minutes came out last week, uh, there was a suggestion that uh, they're going to accelerate tapering, and it also pointed maybe towards uh, raising rates a lot earlier than the market had expected. And this was reinforced by the job numbers that we saw. The same thing, you know, wages were going up, unemployment coming down, even though the, the absolute number of wages was below expectation. So the market's starting to build in that Oh, maybe this is the surprise factor. This is the negative news that we hadn't built in or hadn't discounted that we're going to get um, a rate rises ahead of time. But Justin, what rate rises? You know, I mean, are we going to get rates going up to 3 4% or are they going to just gradually creep their way up to one percent, because at those kind of levels, you know, we can handle it if there's not too much disruption in the market. So I'm saying that's what we've got to work through. That's the uncertainty that we have to kind of discount.
1: Let's touch on the 2022 Crystal Challenge. Seventy-five participants each choosing five <laughs> stocks in an equally weighted portfolio. Purple Group, City Lodge, Sassel, PPC Process, and Sabania were among the most popular stocks. Mm. Any surprises from your side?
7: No, I, I just, I'm i absolutely fascinated because I started this almost as a joke a, a year ago, but everybody's taken to it. And, and Justin, what, what comes out of this is that um, do not uh, downgrade or underrate the intelligence that goes into some of those picks. You know, people, even though they're not putting hard money, they've thought about these stocks. And, and I'm fascinated by where they think the growth is going to come um, this year. I mean, Pitful Yun is always a delight. He chose a Ribosus A. I didn't even know Ribosus A existed. <laughs> I knew ribosis, but, um And, of course, it points on towards, you know, it will all come out if there is a deal done. Big money can be made. So I'm watching this absolutely fascinating uh challenge by you know how people think and where they would put their money in. But um that's fun.
1: What were your five
7: picks, David? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I I I I'm I'm trying to recall. I know the JSE was one. I try to find some financials that were underrated that had been ignored. Um I still like cash build because I think a lot of money is going to be spent on building this year. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a sp- spur group. You know, that was my consumer stock. Hopefully, that people come out and start spending. These have been under pressure, and I, to be honest, I can't remember the last two. I'll have to pick them up. <laughs> but I mean, I'm I'm an outsider completely. I mean, some of the some of the people coming in there are so smart and have done their work so intelligently. It's 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 great. Mm.
1: Steinoff always gives us something to talk about. Yeah. One of its oh. subsidiaries, the mattress firm, is going public again after Steinoff bought it out for 3.8 billion dollars and delisted it in 2016. The market's now valuing Steinoff at around 25 billion rand. That's the same size as pick and pay or an AVI. Now that yeah. there's more transparency for the road ahead mm-hmm. for Steinoff, do you think there's some promise in this turnaround story?
7: I, I I hope so. I mean, I don't like to see companies go to the war. I know they've still got a lot of issues that they have to negotiate, particularly debt. And also what you need is what are the substance what what are the structures of this new company going to be. At the moment, it's it's mainly Pepcore, you know. I don't know what else remains in there. I don't know whether Conformerama is still there. I'm not I'm not quite sure whether what remains has the um, really the foundation to build another big business. But what you say is so true that the company has now sparked up from um, from an, uh market value of what was around 4, 5 billion or even lower than that to 25 billion. You're now starting to talk about a company, you know, a big company again. And I was looking at the share price and, uh, you know, to see the recovery that has been made. And a lot of people are, are backing this kind of recovery in Steinhoff. So let's see, you know, Credit to management if they can bring it back to life. You know, you've got to, there's been a lot of hard work. They've worked hard. They're getting rid of the debt and some of the claims, which I also think are not easy. And it takes a lot of effort (laughs) and a lot of paperwork and a lot of emails to get to where they've got to at the moment.
1: I see a lot of outspoken value managers on social media following mm. its outperformance versus growth in the first week of 2022. Mm. All the economic indicators are pointing towards value outperforming growth this year, but whether that actually happens remains to be seen. How are you reading the argument growth versus value at the moment, David? Uh,
7: yeah, it's, I, I don't know whether it's really you know, value. It's companies that have been ignored during the lockdown. And you know, if we do get normalization, which I think we're going to get, because we've overcome a huge number of issues as well, um, these businesses will spark back. Justin, the question is, for how long? In other words, um, are you going to ignore a lot of the growth IT businesses that are going to really be the substance of um, uh, our lifestyles in the, years, in, the, in the years to come? Three, four, five years, we're going to be using these companies still. Are you just going to push them aside for value? Um, So I suppose this short term plays in this value versus growth. Um, I'm very glad if some of those companies do come back to life. But I mean, um, I'm still remaining, I still believe in in, uh, a lot of the growth stories and you just got to get through the cycle. Um, I like to say, what's going to be there three, four, five years down the line? What are those businesses that are going to change the way that we live, change the way that we, uh, in our spending habits, and um, and you know that's where I still want to be. But but you do take pain and you take a little bit. Justin, the big one, I think the big issue at the moment, and I'm finding it fascinating, is this uh, whole renewable energy story and the shift towards investment in renewables versus the old, um, you know, fossil fuel and uh, coal and so on. Well, f- <laughs> sorry, coal is fossil fuel, but I mean it's it's um, it's that issue, and and I think if you're a value player, I think you're going to make money in energy stocks. You know, there's still a play in some of those because money is not being spent uh, on developing those businesses, but they're still going to make. Uh, you still need them at the moment, so that to me is the fascinating pain. you know I like to watch the uh, <laughs> social media, and the two sides have a go at each other. so yeah still, still, still lots of things to talk about.
1: That value energy play is a mm. good for you and classic. Oh mm. David, all the finance textbooks I 've ever read taught me that gold was an inflation hedge. Yeah, now, with inflation at its highest level in 30 or forty years. Gold is unchanged over the last year or the last 12 months. Were my lecturers lying to me?
7: No, you know, I was going to bring that up if you didn't. And the same thing we've seen in some of the cryptos as well. Uh, You know, Bitcoin has not performed the kind of um, performance that we thought it would. We haven't seen the gains that we thought we would when inflation stopped. And we're getting an inflation number coming out. Um, uh, sometime this week, and that's what's really scaring markets at the moment. No one's, you know, no one's, uh, everybody's worried it's going to be a 7% number, uh, which is going to be the highest that we've seen in many, many years. So it's still scaring people. And yet gold has not done anything, nor the crypto. So I, I gave up gold a long time ago. I gave up um, as a hedge a long time ago. And when I was involved in gold, it was mainly gold was actually fixed and started to, it was rising. I'm going back many, many years. But there we used to buy the mines for what they produced, and how efficiently they produced it. You know, now it's a different kind of play, but uh, it hasn't performed the kind of uh, role that we thought it would. I'm, I'm 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 in line with you. I think you've got to you've got to take this into consideration. It's uh, it's a worry.
1: Are there any safe haven assets these days?
7: No. No. And that's a lesson. There are no safe haven assets. Every Asset has a risk profile attached to it. If you buy bonds and rates go up, you lose money. If you buy equities and earnings fall, you lose money. You know, there's obviously the vice versa as well. So I think you've got to be very careful. And that's why, um, when you've got money and when you put money away, you've got to treat it like a business and, and, and watch assets and don't be attached to anything you know don't don't come too attached to that, but it's a it's a very valuable point that you you know that you bring up uh, because so many people say, "Oh, you know, I'm a gold man or I'm this man and that." I think you've you you can not package yourself, you've got to be very open-minded when it comes to investment.
0: Wayne Duvenage, who is the founder and leader of Outer is, uh, well, causing trouble again, I see, this time with driver's licenses. But you're not really causing the trouble. You're more exposing the issues that are going on. Lots of people have been reading and commenting on this story on Biz News. How did you come about it or understand what was going on there in the first place?
8: Well, Alec, uh, it goes back to last year when the, and I think even prior to, to last year, when the um, the whole driver's license queuing and booking system, Became a debacle, and it became quite problematic for people to to get their driver's licenses, particularly in Gauteng And I think KZN was also a problem. And um, and we got involved because this is pure admi- maladministration uh, and inefficiencies within government that uh, our supporters were calling on us to assist and do something about. We do play in the whole space of transport quite a lot, from E tolls to to the long distance tolling to R two. And uh, this was going to have an impact, by the way, on R2 as well. So <clears throat> I, I guess we started there, uh, engaging with the authorities and just trying to get them to uh, up their game and sort these problems out. And it's gone around and around in circles. And one of the things that we uh, did decide to do is, is also do some research. What is the norm in, uh, in other parts of the world? Uh, and we found that 10-year renewals, is a norm in many countries, and it's something that we should consider. Uh, And so we wrote to the Minister of Transport, uh, suggesting this, and our research also found, by the way, that in 2013, under Dupuy Peters, who was the Minister of Transport at the time, this was already approved, this plan to have the renewal period every 10 years and not every five years. And as you can imagine, they will have a an immense benefit to not only the government, but to society, to citizens. Uh, uh, There's no need to renew every, every five years other than change your, uh, your photograph, update your photograph. And that's very easy to do in an online space. Um, And, uh, and, and and so, so to do so every 10 years makes a lot more sense. Uh, The, the decision to do so in 2013 was uh, rescinded. uh, And we believe that's due to the fact that they were going to lose a lot of money. Now, That's the real crux of the issue here. Is this about making money? Or is this about creating efficiency within a state? And we believe that this Department of Transport is not invested in its people and in what is best for the country, but it's invested in what's best for itself and its cronies and its own internal empire building. Uh, And so, yeah, we've had to get a lot more involved and to up the ante on this issue. And then lo and behold... In November, the driver's license machine breaks down. The only one they have. And now there's another backlog. And this is just going from a, a, a mess to a disaster.
0: Let's just understand this. There is a old uh, piece of equipment that produces South Africa's driver's licenses. Uh, we have a system in this country where the driver's licenses have to be renewed every five years rather than every 10 years. Well, that could be improved, as you've explained. But then the machinery broke down. How many people are now waiting to renew their driver's licenses and unable to do so because the Department of Transport can't fulfill its side of the obligation?
8: Well, I think the backlog in issuing the licenses is something like between four and 500,000 now. Um, and there are those who've got their licenses. They've been approved. They've gone and done all the paperwork up until November, but now they can't get their license uh, just because um, or the card because the machine hasn't printed them. So they effectively have a license, but if they get stopped by the traffic police, well, they can't produce a new one. They can only produce their old one. Now... We think that the police are going to be understanding of that. They have been. This has been a debacle. And by the way, this is how it impacts on, 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 into the space of, of policing and ensuring that road safety takes place and people are properly licensed. They can't even do their jobs properly because they just don't know whether people have licenses or not because of this debacle. So, yeah, it's about four to 500000 uh, uh, backlog in issuing of licenses.
0: What I found interesting was the uh, salaries that are being earned by the worthies who are running this operation.
8: Yeah, look, we are unpacking their uh, reports and starting to find some very interesting stuff there, Alec. Um, uh, it's a small department. It doesn't have, and it doesn't need, by the way, a lot of people, but it's got a little empire there. It makes a bit of money out of this, but it seems to be making quite a lot of money, and there's, uh, there's uh, uh, you know, surpluses there. Uh, but what's very interesting is, is the massive increase in the uh, depreciation. Now, that would tell you that they've bought equipment over the last couple of years, or they bought a lot of desks and furniture and computers or or something. Uh, And we need to look deeper into that. What What is actually going on in this department? It's very similar to the RTMC, the Road Traffic Management Corporation. Again, a money-making empire that is going out there to do as much as it can to make more money instead of making life more efficient for its citizens. For instance, if you want to renew your your car license uh, or your driver's license, you know, if you were, if you go in uh, uh, to the office, it's cheap. But if you want to go online and do it, it's going to cost you seven hundred rand. Uh, and that's that's just the reverse of what normal business does. Can you imagine a bank? Uh, charging you more to go online and, and 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 trying to encourage people to rather go into the bank to do their transactions doesn 't work like that in the world, but in the world of the Department of transport that appears to be the norm uh, and it 's just absolutely crazy. Do you have any
0: visibility on when this will all be sorted out, in other words, when the new equipment will be in place?
8: We have nothing uh, Alec we write to the department. Uh, and we asked them, just to be a little bit more citizen centric to keep the society in, informed what is going on? Do you have a new machine will it be Will the current one be fixed? What is going on? Just tell us so that we can all sort of understand what your plan and strategy is to fix this, otherwise you leave. It, too much up to speculation and and government's credibility starts to go out the window when that happens. Uh, of, of course, this department's credibility has been shot for a long time, but they're doing themselves no favours in trying to improve that. So the short answer is no, we don't have any idea of so what's going on and when it's going to be fixed.
0: Talking about credibility, we saw the release of the first edition of the Zondo Commission report. Included in there is the story of Dudu Mieni, who you know very well, having uh, taken her to court uh, to get her charged as a, a delinquent um, director. Uh, have you had a chance to read through Zondo's uh, findings on the Mnyerni matter?
8: Yes, yes, uh, we have. And uh, very interesting. I think he's very thorough and, and goes beyond just our case. Our case is mentioned in there. Uh, and, um, and you know, both the court at the time, uh, uh, Tolmer, Judge Tolme has already referred the findings of that court case, which uh, the judgment was given in May last year, to the NPA. Uh, but his report spells it out very clearly. And although we only dealt with two areas, the airbus, uh, uh, the swaps, the transaction swaps and the uh Uh, and the um, emirates deal there were a lot of other matters that we wanted to get into but this case is through the stalingrad strategy was just so drawn out and we only had a month uh, with this uh, matter in court Uh, but that was enough to have a declared lingua director but what the report does and zonda's report goes into all those other issues the bnp capital deal uh, and and a number of others where uh, clear evidence of her and he spells that out, and others. Uh, Yaki Kwinane is another one. Um, is, uh, uh, they found wanting in how they deliberately uh, interfered with the operational processes, which they are not allowed to do as non-executive uh, people in, in, in on the board. Uh, and uh, and got in the way of business, which cost the airline dearly. And we lost that Emirates deal. It was very profitable for SAA. We lost our credibility with them, and the international, uh, uh, you know, aviation industry started looking at SAA uh, from a different perspective. The Airbus guys, everybody was uh, uh, saying, "What is going on here?" And clearly, what was going on, and as the report shows, is that there was interference for for agendas that suited uh, state capture, that suited individuals, that suited specific deals that people were going to get rich out of and were not in the best interest of SAA or this country. So
0: what's going to happen to Dudu Yeni?
8: Well, what should now happen is she, she obviously, she's remained silent in, in Zonda Commission. You can do that there for, uh, for fear of incriminating herself. Well, she can't have that approach when it comes to court now. So what we're wanting is the NPA to start acting on this information. We think they are. They've got a substantial amount. We've made say, Section 27 referrals. This is a referral that you can make with all the evidence supporting that referral directly to the NPA. We believe that they're going to take this information and she's going to have to be tried in a court of law. And if she wants to keep her mouth shut and not respond to the questions, then, well, the judge has a very easy decision to make. One side of the story is told, the other side is missing, and it's off to jail. You go, uh, Ms. Mieni. But, you know, the question then is, well, when is this court process going to happen? And that's the question that many in society have, and we do as well. Why is the NPA so slow in moving on some of these very clear-cut cases. And uh, we are going to be engaging with them on that. I think uh, Shamila Batoy will be engaging with civil society because it's a question that has been asked a lot lately. You know, we've given them a bit of rope, a leeway to to improve their uh, capacity to deal with their skills shortage and uh, the, a mountain of work that has to happen. But I'm afraid it's just just dragged on for too long and I think when you start digging deeper, Alec, into what's actually happening here, we find a situation where something different has to be done. This is not just your normal NPA that's going to get through this mountain of evidence that has to be uh, tried in a court of, of law. And a lot of people that are currently walking the streets need to be uh, held accountable. Uh, I think they're going to have to explore working ways of working with civil society because we can assist Um, the law is very prescriptive and allowing us to get involved Uh, we're going to have to set up new mechanisms to introduce more from civil society, maybe changes to law, maybe corruption courts who knows, Zonda had great recommendations in there around an uh, uh, anti-corruption agency Uh, not too dissimilar to the national anti-corruption forum that's being set up by the president, but it gives it more autonomy and uh, uh, more powers it's going be very interesting to see how that takes place. But something has to happen very different to what is currently happening. Otherwise, we're not going to get through.
0: This Currency Focus is proudly brought to you by Treasury One, South Africa's leading treasury solutions company that unlocks financial value for your business.
1: I'm Joshua Roberts of Biz News, And with me today is Treasury One's Andres Saliers. Andre, we spoke around a month ago, and the Rand dollar price was around 16 Rand to the dollar, now trading around the 15 Rand, 60 mark. What were the main driving factors that drove the Rand during the festive period?
9: Well, during the festive period, uh we had an interesting uh time in the sense that markets was very thin, liquidity is always very thin in those periods. And we had actually seen the RAND weakening at one stage to well above the 16 level. Um, and we had a bit of a seesaw, especially in the beginning of the year, where it came down to the 1580 level, then jumped back up against the 16 level. Uh but and there were small factors uh linked to interest rates, uh, emerging markets as such pulled a little bit of a negative one. Uh we'd seen some of the emerging markets. Weakening, uh, but I want to describe that nothing significant other than very thin liquidity uh, and 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 very thin on the new side, and even the smallest and slightest bit of movement, be it a gold price that went above eighteen hundred. We must not forget that we had a gold price at one stage almost at eight hundred and twenty dollars an ounce that retreated back down. You know, so there was a mixed bag. Uh, but that mixed bag throw into low liquidity uh, and you get these volatile swings. It's only really from today onwards uh, that we have most of the players back into the markets and that your liquidity will start coming back into the market uh, and that you can really see where things want to go.
6: The
1: U.S. Federal Reserve's December minutes were recently released. A more hawkish stance from Fed Jerome Powell, an increased Rate of taper and the interest rate increase are expected to be more frequent this year. Investment banks are adjusting their predictions about the rate hikes and the pace of the taper. What are the implications for firstly the dollar and secondly the rand?
9: Well, the dollar could benefit from that. If you look at the uh, really textbook economics, it says higher rates uh, positive for a currency inflow of money into the country, etc. You know, that's the normal rhetoric thing uh, regarding economics. Now, so it could benefit the dollar. However, I think that the dollar has benefited from this already in the last couple of weeks, Uh, call it the last two, three months, because that's where we had seen inflation at the higher levels, uh, where it persisted at the levels, and where the Federal Reserve had actually admitted uh, that inflation is not transitory anymore and that it's there to stay. Now, during the last release of the unemployment figures, uh, we had also seen that unemployment is a little bit lower. Uh, and we had also seen that, uh, there is still further pressure, uh, on the wage, uh, wage bill in the sense of higher increases for people, which adds to the inflation problem. But that's, there and we know it and we've known it for a while. So if I say that the dollar can benefit, I am kind of of the opinion that we've seen the benefit already uh, and that it will not have a major impact going forward. So I don't think that we'll have a dollar uh, going down to the 110 or 111 against the euro. I think it will remain more or less at these levels Uh, And we might very well see that it's a bit of a uh, buy the rumor, sell the fact situation that will come through.
1: Some very interesting developments happening in Turkey. The central bank having to get involved to get that currency under control. We saw it balloon all the way out to 18 to the dollar. What exactly is happening in Turkey and does this underpin the importance of an independent central bank?
9: I think it, uh, you, you, you're very correct in saying that it underpins the, uh, importance of a central bank. Uh, what's happening in Turkey is, is kind of a mystery because, you know, the one day it's this and the next day it's that. Uh, what we have is a president that actually mingles in with the independence of a central bank, fires people if they don't dance to his, uh, tunes. Uh, then they get fired and they in the firing squad. Uh, and then it doesn't really matter what a central bank does, whether they intervene to prop up the currency market or whatever they do will be in vain. You need to address the issue and the issue lies with the government uh, and the independence that gets taken away from all other institutions. So now that's not likely to change, and that will definitely not change in the short term. So that volatility from Turkey will be remaining with us for quite some time. We have to wait to see what happens during the next round of elections, and that's not on the cards for next week or the month or the six months forward. Uh, so Turkey and the trouble in Turkey will be with us, but I think what we're also seeing is that Turkey is having less of an impact on generally what happens in emerging markets and it's actually decoupled itself uh, and moving a little bit on its own. And I think that will continue uh, and have less of an influence on what happens on emerging markets. So I think for the short term, one can actually park Turkey uh, on the side saying that it will have less of an impact unless something dramatically happens to the positive side in terms of government and the stance of government to institutions especially the central bank Uh, that will definitely have a positive impact but as far as the negatives is concerned i think that will diminish a little bit in value uh, as it's decoupled itself already from the emerging market space
1: the commodity bull market seems to have run its course How important are strong commodity prices to the local currency?
9: Well, we are a commodity currency. We should never forget that. And a very big part of our GDP still comes from the uh, commodity side, from the mining sector. So uh, we can never walk away and say that commodity prices or the level of commodity prices is of no interest to us. But you will know that I have for a very, very long period now said uh, where people are speaking of a total decline or sinking in of commodity prices, that I think it will stabilize. The same sort of increases will not be there for this year. Um, but I do think that economies throughout this year uh, will continue on their growth path. Uh, I think if you look at the old situation regarding Omicron, uh these the new variant of uh covert that came about and the impact of that in Europe, uh and the increase in infections that there was in the lockdowns that came with it and the curb few times, etc., that came and was embarked on in the European zone. Uh, I think that will dwindle over the couple of next couple of weeks, uh two to three months. And that will put economies back onto the growth path. If you get economies onto the growth path uh, and a return to more normality, then the demand will still be there for commodities but it will not be a commodity boom, but it will stabilize commodities and keep prices at fairly stable levels uh, and not on a massive decline. So from a South African perspective, I can, I think we can look forward to still enjoying stability on that end without massive declines and still a mining sector that benefits from the relatively high prices that we are currently seeing.
1: What would a global equity market correction mean for emerging market currencies, including the Rand?
9: A global equity market correction uh, will be negative for our equity market. It will be an outflow of money out of the equity market whether it will lead to an outflow of money out of the country in my mind is uh, not something that will really happen uh, our central bank still very independent still very much in front of the curve and we can expect interest rate increases especially in the first half of this year most probably two uh, at most three increases that will keep us at the front end of the curve. And, and as people move out of equity markets, they will move into fixed markets, fixed income markets, uh, also in South Africa. So I don't think that a negative impact in terms of the currency is necessary on the cards in terms of that, as it will be a shifting and a change in portfolios of where you park your money whilst that action is going on. And that would be on the fixed income markets.
1: Lastly, Andre, what do the technicals or the charts say about the Rand dollar price action for the next few months?
9: Well, it happens to be that we're sitting close to some significant technical levels as we speak. Uh, we're speaking 1560. If we significantly break the 1560 um, and, and and break away from that psychological level, then I think it's quite possible that we could move down to the 1550, 1548 levels uh, in a very short space of time. Now you, if I go back once again to our interviews of last year, um, I did say that I think that the RAN can end the year, uh, most probably around the fifteen thirty, fifteen seventy levels. Now call me a liar for where we ended, uh, for 20 cents, uh, in our volatility. I don't think it's that bad. Uh, and for now, I would call a little bit more strength down to the 1540, most probably 1530 levels. Uh, but from there, uh, stabling out at those levels and then gradually moving up to its, uh, back to its, the 16 levels. The significant one that we have to look at now is the budget speech of our Minister of Finance, whose first budget speech will be done in February. Now, uh, of more concern to me is, uh, when a president starts speaking, and, a, at a party for the ANC and they switch off the lights. And when they start burning down parliament and when they start breaking windows at the constitutional court, then as much as you want to, you can come and tell me that there's no attack, uh, on, on the democracy of the country. Um, and I to you. I think you, you, you're keeping a blind eye here. So those things are of concern. Uh, we also have some violence that might erupt as people go back to universities and start burning down uh, stuff because they want to g- gain access to the university without being vaccinated. And the university has got a policy of vaccination. So there's a few pitfalls lying ahead of us. Uh, and one of those is also then the Minister of Finance in his budget speech. So hence, I think, slightly down and then moving gradually up to higher levels as we enter into the space of opening of parliament uh, getting closer to the budget speech and then we have to see what happens after that
0: this currency focus was proudly brought to you by treasury one south africa's leading treasury solutions company that unlocks financial value for your business well thanks for being with us today and we look forward to being back in your company tomorrow same time same place uh, from the business news team until then